Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. I'm Paul Ponce, and I'm joined today by Danny Limelight. Danny, how are we doing today? What's good, brother? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm happy to be here. I am fantastic. Uh, I'm excited to get you on because you've uh, lived, you know, you're only, what, 28 years old? 28 years old. Yes, sir. 28 years old. You already lived a very colored life. You're a Marine, trained at SoCal Pro, Marine wrestler, actor, stuntman, writer, producer. What don't you do? Um, I don't wrestle for SoCal Pro. There you go. <laughs> but you trained <laughs> um, there, right? I, I, I started, yes. I started there in 2014. It lasted about seven months, and then it was off to the races. Yep. Uh, I also read that you did some stuff with uh, Santino Brothers. I did. Yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate enough to, to train with uh, Los Luchas a few times at their Lucha classes. I've done some training with Eli Everfly, and then I've had some one-on-ones with Jake Atlas. Very nice. And I also, uh, if I, unless I'm incorrect here, on another podcast, I might have heard you talk about working with Little Cholo as well? Yes, Little Cholo and Mariachi Loco. Um, I give them the most credit for the training because uh, I got to do a lot of one-on-ones with them on a weekly basis over in Anaheim. And they're two amazing luchadors that have a really good mindset for the game, and they definitely helped me elevate mine. And then more recently, being able to work with uh, John Morrison and Damian Sandow. Very nice. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, and when I would go down to SoCal, I love whenever I see Little Cholo in matches in yeah. random places down there. I see him and B-Boy and a bunch of other guys yep. who I just – Guys I loved on the indie Amazing scene. Amazing dudes. Great, great wrestlers. Great mindset for the game. Great, great at educating the youth. And the, not and by youth, I mean the up-and-coming wrestlers. I mean, I also got to do some one-on-ones with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy as well. We train at the Gymnastic Olympias together and work on strikes and moves and things like that and setups and stuff. So I just been, I've been a student of the game and, and been able to like reach out to a bunch of different people and just work with them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's... That's kind of what you have to do now. I feel like, you know, back in the day, back, back in the day, you could be a wrestler and be just a brawler. You could be a wrestler and be just a technical guy. You could be just a high flyer. But now it's kind of like you have to know a little lucha. You don't have to know a little strong style. You got to know a little everything. Otherwise, you're kind of limited in the ring, you know? Yeah, you want to be a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I mentioned uh, before you were in the Marines. So... When you're training, uh, I did a little bit of training. I, I, I got washed out uh, <laughs> up, in the, up in NorCal uh, at Pro Wrestling Iron. Uh, but I, one thing I did notice is there was tons of people in the class. It was a vast array of different people, different shapes, different sizes, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. When you're coming from the Marines, you know, uh, a hard-hitting training, you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's no secret. Uh, and you go there, are you kind of like, Oh, I thought there would be a lot more people maybe ready for this, whereas you were kind of a little bit more ready than others. So, <laughs> um, for me, you know, being a Marine, being a Marine Corps drill instructor and making Marines, you know, putting people through that training that, that I went through over the years and having 10 years of experience under my belt with the military is just, I, I, I was always in amazing shape. Even as a kid, I would, you know, do parkour and, and and run through the streets and get myself into all types of trouble. And, but I played sports and I boxed and I did basketball and baseball. So I had to be in shape. Um, the transition to wrestling, wrestling training is very different. It's, it's, it's not like basketball. It's not like baseball. It's, it's not like the Marine Corps. It takes its own toll on your body. And, um, but I definitely did feel like I was way more prepared than a lot of the guys that I was training with. Um, and a lot of the guys washed out. Um, and even over the years, like seeing people not being able to stay in shape or even 
more recently during this quarantine, watching people gain weight and not trying to make anybody look bad or anything like that. But it, it's staying in shape is a mental thing and wanting to to stay fit and stuff like that is something you have to challenge yourself to do. It's a discipline. And I feel like the Marine Corps definitely did give me that discipline and it like definitely enhanced it than what I already had. And so it made the training for wrestling a lot easier. Not that it was easy, just it was easier for me than others. Yeah, I imagine, you know, it's, it kind of gives you that leg up. And that's what, you know, especially, especially in something as grueling as wrestling training can be. And like you said, needing that, that determination, obviously that's going to be a big help. But you still got to work at it. You still got to grind. It's, it's all, you know, it's not. 100%. Yeah. And uh, so as far as, you know, now you're doing the acting, uh, writing, producing, all that stuff. Were you already planning on doing that before wrestling? Or was wrestling the thing that kind of got you into wanting to do acting? So since I was a kid, like I wanted to be a wrestler and an actor. Like I wanted that kind of life. I wanted that, you know, and a kid from New York, Puerto Rican, snot nosed street rat brat, like that wasn't an option, you know, like I didn't know what independent wrestling was. I only knew WCW and WWF, you know, um, I didn't know how to get to Hollywood when all I knew was how to take the train from Brooklyn to, to Bushwick, you know, like it, it, that's, that's, that's all I knew. And when I joined the Marine Corps at 17 and it put me in all the right places and I met all the right people, you know, first came the wrestling. And then with the wrestling, you know, um, I, I generated some kind of buzz with the year, the spider and, and Marvel had emailed me to come out for their stunt show. So my first audition, I had never done anything with acting or stunts, but my first audition was with Marvel. And, um, I met my ex there and we, we, she, she kind of, showed me the ropes and brought me into the the stunt world and then stunt bled over into acting. And I already have always felt like I've always had charisma and I've always, you know, been, been very good with my, my mouthpiece and things like that. And so, you know, not that wrestling is fake or anything like that, but it's kind of like acting. You're portraying a character, a gimmick, and you have to live by it. And when you grab the microphone and you talk, you have to believe the words that come out of your mouth. And that's all acting really is. It's living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. And so, wrestling bled to stunts uh, bled into acting and i've always been a good writer and so i started writing my own projects you know and then limelight productions came about and i started producing my own films and just been grinding baby yeah that's do you have any uh what projects are you working on right now maybe put that out in the world so that people can look forward to that so i just we uh we just finished a movie with John Morrison or John Hennigan um, called Speed of Time. It, it got pushed back because of the quarantine, but I did all the stunts in that movie. Um, I played the King of the Time Borgs, which are the villains um, in the film, and I got to do some pretty badass stunts. You know, I'm super grateful for John. You know, he pulled me in. We were training at wrestling. I told him I did stunts. He told me he was working on a film, and he kind of needed somebody to go over pre-visuals, like fight scenes and stuff like that, and I told him that I had a pretty good brain for it. We went to, you know, Jam, which is like this gym here for stunts and stuff like that and training. And we went over like the fight stuff for the film. And uh, he showed the director and everybody what he wanted to do. And they were going to sh be shooting in Florida. And so he was like, well, instead of hiring a whole bunch of different people out there, why don't we just bring the people that know it already and help me come up with it or help me work with it. And he brought me out there, full paid trip. I got paid good. And, and I'm super, I love that man. I, I love that man. He's one of the best people in the world. And he, he kind of really gave me my real big, not big break, but gave me the real foot in the door with some kind of credibility into the stunt community and, and becoming SAG eligible. And then so after that, I just started writing more. And I, my first film that I really wrote was called TNT. It was a female boxing film. We shot that. I coordinated all the stunts, directed, produced, um, acted in it. 
And then uh, since then, I, I've wrote, I've done a couple fight scenes that I put together. You know, just keeping my 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 fight skills on on par with film. Um, I wrote a, a horror film called Sunny, which was a short film for my daughter where she's possessed by a doll. Um, she did really good on that. And then I wrote a film called Above the Line, which we just finished shooting. It's in post production now. And this week we'll be shooting a film about human sex trafficking called 207, which is the code for a kidnapping or sex trafficking. And I have four other scripts lined up. And as soon as we're done shooting this one this week, we're going to be pushing over into them. And, you know, one of them is, is it's my own take on John Wick. It's called Joe Riv. And it's going to be just a badass action film um, about a, a, a veteran that that supposedly died three years ago, but comes back to avenge his brother's death. So it's going to be a whole bunch of shooting and knives and fighting and badass nice. stuff. And then the other three, um, I kind of want to keep to myself right now until we get the, the ball full in motion. But one of them is a very big project that we're going to shoot a short film for. And we're going to push out to crowdfund a nine episode series. Um, nice. You're going to shoot a proof of concept. Yes, sir. Just kind of right. similar, similar to code eight. Have you seen code eight on Netflix? Yeah. It was Stephen Amell and Robbie Amell. They 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 shot like a two a ten minute episode, uh, ten minute short, and they funded two million dollars and was able to sh- push out an awesome movie. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to generate two million, but I think that if we can uh, crowdfund fifty to hundred k, which seems very possible with the kind of project this is and the community we have, um, I believe that we'll be able to shoot an awesome nine episode series. Um, and actually, I could talk about it a little bit just to give you a rundown. It's going to be about stunt people. Um, and basically a stunt team is going to rob Hollywood. And so nice. it, okay. the, the, I, the, the vibes is ocean 11 and now you see me vibes. So it's going to be, you know, just want to bring light into the stunt community and action actors. Cause we do do a lot. And I don't know if you know, but there's no Oscar category for stunt coordinators or stunt people. And so we kind of just want to bring this to the, the world and show the world what we can do. And I wrote it myself. I've casted it myself. We have the yellow power ranger attached to it. Uh, Liana Ramirez, the current yellow power ranger attached to it. Um, and a bunch of other very talented people, you know, and so I'm just super excited for this one. Um, it's going to be the big one. And I feel like this is going to be the project that really gets me out there. Very nice. Yeah, I like that idea. And you're right about the uh, I used to do a movie podcast. We would constantly talk about the fact that stunts don't get love in the Oscars, yep. which is it's kind of ridiculous because all the movies need some kind of stunt coordinator. Yeah. If there's a slap in a the film, there has to be a stunt coordinator present, you know, and when you exactly. got movies like the Avengers, imagine the Avengers with no stunts, you know, or imagine, like, you know, the Joker with no stunts, you know, like all these films that win awards, they have stunts in it. You know, 1917 was full of stunts. Yeah. How does a movie like that win all these awards, but no recognition to the coordinator, you know? So it's a, it's a sad, it's a sad case, but I do believe that we're, we're going in the right direction with it. And, and this project that I'm putting together, is, it's a passion project, but it has value. It has meaning. And everybody that I have attached to it are all stunt actors, action actors. So we're not bringing in anybody else that doesn't do stunts. And we just want to tell an amazing story. Very nice. We're definitely going to keep an eye out for that. Uh, bringing that back a little bit, you mentioned the Avengers and stuff, and you mentioned before doing the Marvel audition. I know you're a big Spider-Man fan. You got the tattoo, you got the color ring <laughs> tights and everything. Um, yes, sir. So I got to say, you know, obviously you're a big Spider-Man fan, but how excited were you growing up a Spider-Man fan when Miles Morales came on the scene in comic so, books? Oh, uh, man. So, 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 okay. So, so Peter Parker is, is, no matter what, I, I will always say Peter Parker is my favorite Spider-Man. That's who I grew up on. That's who I love. But then, you know, Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, kind of came into the scene. And I was like, oh, this guy mm-hmm. is really cool. But when Miles Morales hit, you know, a Puerto Rican and black Spider-Man, 
and his suit was so different and so dope. He didn't have the, the classic red and blue. It was like the black and the red. It was just so much fun seeing something different, seeing someone of color coming out there with a, with a Hispanic background as well and just believing the same morals that Spider-Man believed in. And, you know, it, it gave us young bucks, you know, life, you know, it was like a new life into yeah. the, the character of Spider-Man, you know, and then Into the Spider-Verse came out, which was is my favorite cartoon movie of all time. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I'm excited for the new Spider-Man Miles Morales game that's coming out because I love the Spider-Man game, you know, and just, just everything that the Spider-Man character stands for, whether it's, whether it's Spider-Man, like Peter Parker, or if it's Ben Riley, or it's Miguel O'Hara, who's a Mexican Spider-Man that plays Spider-Man 2099, or we're talking yep. Miles Morales. Like, there's just so many different characters, but I love how they're all different and unique, but still stand for the same thing. And I firmly believe in those, those, those morals. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who, who get all, you know, oh, they're trying to inject people of color into the blah, but it's like, hey, uh, people of color exist, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, like Black Lives Matter, all like all these people that feel like, oh, why are we doing this? Or why do we need representation of that? Like, why the fuck not? Excuse my language, but like, why yeah, not? Of course. Well, is it hurting you? No. So then why are you worried about it? Yeah, and, exactly. and you have to you have to give people of color, kids of color. You know, my daughter, she's Puerto Rican and Mexican. She needs to see a movie like Coco in Disney that like shows a tradition of Hispanic heritage. You know, she yep. needs to see that. You know, we need kids to see heroes that represent who they look like and go exactly. through the real same problems that they deal with. I think that's important. And people that don't agree, I feel like they just got messed up beliefs and morals. Absolutely. Did you find any, uh, I mean, it's a little bit, I was going to say if you found, if you found any difficulty, you know, uh, trying to have that kind of moral as far as being a person of color in wrestling. But I mean, you did train in LA, which is a little more of a bubble of openness. So I don't know. Did you ever feel like uh, you were getting any kind of raw deal? Like maybe traveling to other parts of the country? Maybe you got, maybe you're like, I don't know if this dude would be talking to me like this. Um, fortunately, I, I don't, no one has ever disrespected me. And, and maybe behind my back, but I don't respect that. That that, that that's, yeah. not, that's people talk regardless. I don't care about that. But I, I've never dealt with a situation where somebody tried to disrespect me, and I don't know if it's because they they look at me and they okay, he's probably not the guy because I <laughs> I, 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 I can yeah. be a I can be a loose cannon, you know. Um, actually, I had one fan try to get disrespectful one time, and I kind of like stooped to his level and got unprofessional and was like, all right, and I like I pressed him outside the arena out of the venue not the arena we're not at an arena yeah. but like I, I pressed him outside the venue and he kind of like backed down afterwards but i think that's the only time i ever dealt with a situation where i actually had to get buck with somebody um well you know it's it's I, a it's a high stress eventually you know you know you can't blame someone for getting you know a little hot you know it's yeah you know, yeah it happens but i i don't really put myself in that situation i don't think and i, and I think that like if i do rub people the wrong way they they kind of keep their distance they don't talk to me but and I hear like rumblings of, oh, this person said this. I don't play the he said, she said game. If they yeah. don't say it in my face, I don't respect it. And I don't acknowledge it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I got to say big congratulations. You're going to be on New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, new weekly show. What's amazing. It's called uh, Lions Break Collision. Uh, sure. How stoked are you for that? Uh, did you think, you know, like you said, kid grew up in Brooklyn. You think you're going to be featured on a global brand like New Japan Pro Wrestling at some point? Brother, let me tell you something. I didn't know what independent wrestling was growing up. I knew WWF and WCW. 
when I found independent wrestling, I was open into like a whole new world of wrestling that I had to learn about and see. And, and when, when I got this opportunity, cause I, I want to shout out Rocky Romero who gave me the opportunity, man, like amazing dude, love that man. And, and, and I was presented with this opportunity to go and showcase my talent to the world. Oh, goosebumps had came across me. I did the tryout and everything. He invited me out to the tryout. I had a good time at the tryout. Good showing. Got the team with Mysterioso and, and Russell, the Regal twins, who are also great. So we just had a good chemistry in the ring. And the, the opportunity came across my desk or across the phone or however you want to word it. And it, I was excited, man. It felt so good. I called my dad. That was the first person I called was my dad. And, um, he was excited for me. And then when I got to wrestle, cause we actually filmed this already uh, earlier this month for the, for the, for the stuff to air in July. Um, and the people I got to wrestle, you know, the per one of the, like both guys I got to wrestle are awesome, but, but one in particular, man, he's one of the best in the world. And, and I was super grateful to step into the ring with him again and, and tear it up on such a huge platform and huge scale that uh, I'm just grateful, man. It feels so good. It feels like all the hard work's finally paying off, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So we talk, you talked a little bit about uh, gr growing up watching WWF, WWE, WCW, all that stuff. Uh, I've I've seen on other interviews that you mentioned. You know, you grew up. The Rock was your was your favorite. Man, yeah. wrestling and acting, all that stuff. And then uh, I was a little confused because I saw your style and I was like, The Rock's his favorite. That's interesting. Like I see the swagger part, but then I saw you that you mentioned the WCW cruiserweights, and I went, There it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had the same experience. I would watch it, and I would watch guys like Ultimo Dragon, Psychosis, mm -hmm. Rey Mysterio, and I was like, these dudes are the best. What is this? How have I never seen this before? Like, when I first yep. saw them, I, and obviously that's permeated into your style, uh, how much, you know, did you go into it thinking, I'm going to wrestle like these guys? So, I think I knew that I wanted to have... Okay, so when I first made the Danny Limelight character... My and don't laugh at me, but my image was the Miz mixed with Mayweather. Like makes sense. That's what I wanted, you know, the arrogant, cocky, blah 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 blah. But then as I started going, I I already knew that the reason why The Rock was a champion, the reason why The Rock was considered one of the best to ever do it, and as is as successful as he is, was because of his promos, because of his charisma. Didn't didn't matter if people think he's a good wrestler or not, because if you put The Rock on a on a on a on a flyer you know, he's main eventing WrestleMania, you know, he's drawing the fans. And I knew it wasn't because of his wrestling abilities, if they want to say that, and I'm doing quotation marks, it's because of, is he can draw because he can talk and he can sell people into seats. He got and an I knew that, drop over. Yeah, exactly. And, and, <laughs> that, and, and to do that, you have to be electrifying. You have to be charismatic. You have to be that good. And I knew that I wanted that. I knew that for me, the most important thing, and I'm not saying the wrestling isn't important, but I knew for me, I was like, I knew that I was charismatic. I knew that I can talk. And I knew that that was going to be my forefront. That was where I was going to try to make my money off. It was being able to cut a promo, being able to talk, being able to, to make people want to see a match. The wrestling style, I was like, well, you know, I, I, I don't really want to do the rock bottom. I don't want to do that. You know, like, that's not my style. You know, I knew that I was athletic. And I was like, okay, now if I'm thinking athleticism, who are the guys that I like to watch? Okay, I loved watching Rey Mysterio. I loved watching Eddie Guerrero. I loved watching John Morrison. I loved watching Jeff Hardy. Those guys put their body on the line. Shelton Benjamin. Um, just seeing these guys do all these awesome things with their body and seeing the reaction the crowd would give them. Now, if I could combine that with the Rock's electricity and I could put it together and make it me, that's what I wanted to do, you know? And then as, as yeah. time grew on, like I started taking certain things out. Like I don't need to hurt my, my, my I don't need to hurt myself this much because I want longevity. You know, now, now I know that, I mean, I know how to strike. I know how to fight. I know how to grapple. Now, even though I'm flying, let me start adding in more of me 
into the into this little you know puzzle that that's Danny Limelight and, and making all the pieces fit correctly. So now I'm trying to talk good. I'm trying to talk my smack and make people want to see me. I'm trying to you know hi baby. I'm trying to like wrestle a little bit more show people that i can do the technical wrestling but then i still want to fly because i still want to make people get excited to see what is he going to do this time you know is he going to he's going to spring off the rope and hit his ddt is he going to fly over the top you know with his dive is he going to do you know what, what you know I, I wanted to keep people guessing at all times and i feel like i've been doing a pretty good job at that recently absolutely and i also appreciate by the way uh you doing the tornado twist mm. i was like because it was reminding me we were talking about wcw i haven't seen that since like hector garza and wcw and i was like i love that move i was like why don't more people do that and then i saw you do it and i was like well there it is okay yeah it's, it's because people probably can't yeah that's true <laughs> that's true it but, takes a lot of a lot of rotation on that yeah, yeah i i love it and 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 because you know a lot and and i'm not saying people can, i don't want to say people can't do it because i'm sure there are, there are talented guys that can do it i just for me, I see everybody do the topes. I see everybody do the the somersault over or the, mm-hmm. the Fosbury flop. Or and I want my dive when I usually do it. You know, it it it's different. You're not gonna see anybody else on the card do it. You know, I've I've never been on a on a card where somebody does the same dive as me ever ever ever. And I've been doing this dive for about four years now or three and a half years now. And and it, for me, it's like okay. This is something that's me. You know, I can yeah. do it. I don't have to, hey, guys, hey, hey, what kind of dive are you doing? I never have to ask, hey, bro, are you going to do it? You know, I, because I know that mine is different all the time. And it's just something that I love to put out there and people to see because it's, it's a different dive. You know, some, the first match is a suicide and people react and then they see me do that. It's like, oh, whoa, you know, like, and, and that's, yeah. that's the kind of energy I want to bring. Absolutely. Any course you do, I, your, uh, your Tornado DDT is a modified version, a lot yep. more, uh, more high flying, you jump off the top rope and do the complete spin in midair. Uh, so I can tell definitely you're a guy that tries to innovate what you're doing. Uh, if I may say, and hopefully it's a compliment, uh, you remind me a lot of the way Will Ospreay works. Yeah, <laughs> that is a huge compliment. I, I, I mean, Will Ospreay is one of the best in the world right now. Um, and when I was wrestling in New Japan, you know, I, I did the, the, I, I didn't put two and two together, but I just, you know, one of my moves was I, I do a leapfrog and then I backflip over the guy. And then somebody, when I went to the back, somebody, hey, that, that reminded me of Will Ospreay, you know, except he might get a little bit higher than you, though. And I was like, yeah, he probably does get higher than me. I was like, but you're right. You know, like, so there have been people saying certain things, like certain things that I do remind them of, of Will Ospreay or Ricochet. And um, I'm just, those are, those are the kind of compliments that make me feel like awesome. You know, I know I'm trying to get to their level and it's a lot of work and a lot of time, but it feels good just getting a little bit of like a, you know, pat on the back when somebody says something like that. So thank you very much. Oh, of course. And I definitely see also the, the cruiserweight influence and all that stuff. So you've actually done, uh, you went to uh, work the Crash Lucha, correct? Yes. Um, that was my first international debut was with the Crash. Conan had brought me in and it was dope. So what was it like working Lucha in California versus working Lucha in Mexico? Well, the, the, um, I, when I made my debut for the Crash, I wrestled uh, DJ Douglas James and, mm. uh, so we we wrestled more of an American style and we opened the show. Okay. But but the times that I went back after that, you know, I was like teaming with Christy James against like, you know, Lady Flamer and another Luchador and being able to translate the Spanish back. My Spanish isn't the best, but being able to be there and be like, okay, we're going to, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's very different. Um, um, I, there are certain things I don't like that they do out there. You know, I feel like there some of them, you know, there isn't much selling you know, and like, they kind of like, they potter out and kind of just sit on the apron and wait to come back in. So as opposed to out here, we're taught very much to sell when we take something and stuff like that. And so, but it was fun, you know, and then I went back 
to Tijuana for AAA and I got to wrestle some of those guys out there, you know, and having even been in the ring with guys like Penta and Phoenix and, and Flamita and Ray Horace, like some of the best luchadors that came out from over there, you know, and, and wrestling with them, I learned so much and they were able to break down moves and tell me how to say it in Spanish so that I could tell the other guys. And I, I just have fun, man. I, I'm all about wrestling new people, especially when I get a chance to step in with some of the greats, whatever their style is. I try to, to, I don't want to say go to their level, but I try to like wrestle that kind of a match so I can learn it and, and, and just add that little bit of a golden nugget into my toolbox, you know? So. Yeah. It almost yeah, bums me out that, uh, they team up together because Ray Phoenix and Pentagon are so good. I'm just kind of like, wish they were just solo guys just cause yeah. I think they're both amazing. So I'm like, Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Um, and that's, and, and honestly, man, like I've been in the locker room with, the, I've been in the locker room with them a lot. I've hung out with them a lot in shows and like, awesome awesome guys phoenix is that's my boy you know i i really love that dude we we kind of sit and we talk about a lot of stuff in life and he's a great guy man he's one of my favorite people yeah he's super underrated even though he's highly rated he's, yeah. he's that good i think <laughs> he he's that exactly. good <laughs> yeah uh so what about uh as far as like the crowd work in the crowd in mexico versus work in the crowd here i know uh, lucha crowds can be a little rambunctious yes and and i i made the poor decision or the right decision on my debut to come out with a big giant Puerto Rican flag with the New York city <laughs> vibe and they hated it, but they loved me. And I, and, and I, I, I love it. I love how involved they are and how much they, they believe. And like I, I told, um, you know, I told myself, I was like, man, the first time I wrestled in the crash, it was sold out. The main event had Ray Mysterio on it. It had Phoenix, it had Penta, it had Lince Dorado on it. It was another one of my homies. Great dude. Um, it had Willie Mack. It had all these awesome guys, Flamita. But I did, it was a huge card, and we were opening the show, and I was like, sold out. And it had um, El Santo was, was there, and Hijo de Santo was wrestling on the card that day as well. Wow. And I was like, this is like a huge show. You're like, no pressure. Just to- <laughs> no pressure. We're, o- we're opening, you know, like. But it was like, wow, this, they, they, who, like Conan believed in me because he saw me wrestle in San Diego he, to put me on this, in this spot and this show. And it felt like a, like a WrestleMania moment. Like if I, I was like, if I never wrestle again, I will be satisfied with feeling this energy. That's Fortunately awesome. enough, I've been able to wrestle there over and over and over and over again over the last few years. And I'm thankful for that. Um, and then even with AAA as well, you know, Conan brought me over to AAA. And so it's, it's amazing, man. It feels so good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I believe you also did a couple things with WWE. I did. So I'm curious about that. You know, no, not necessarily, you know, the the more like, what was it like to meet the superstars? But I'm more, <laughs> I'm more curious about like the minutia of it. Like, how do you find out like who gets in contact with you? How do you know like, okay, like how far in advance do you know when you're going to be available for something like this? Like, what is like, what is the day like when you get there? Um, so I found out um, ahead of time, I was able to go get my paperwork done and stuff like that. And when I got there, like I was like the first time I did, it, I was like a little nervous. You know, I was you want you want to dress for success and you want to be professional at all times. You don't want to you want to make it feel like you belong there, you know, because obviously mm-hmm. like you want to belong there. So um, it was awesome, man. Everybody was real professional, real cool, you know, and, and getting to sit down and talk to some of these guys that, that I grew up watching and some of the guys that are on there right now doing their best. Like it just felt good, you know, and actually the first time I did it, um, I actually got to do a tryout match um on the show and it was like this was like the most nerve-wracking match of my life you know i got to i wrestled some guy from, it was in texas i didn't know anybody there except uh christy james 
and who's like one of my best friends, you know, and, and I wrestled one of these guys from Texas I never wrestled before. And at the ring, it was like Shane McMahon, Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre, Aleister Black, Randy Orton, Dove Ziggler, Hurricane Helms, like, like all these like guys and like, you know, Alexa Bliss. And, um, she, I think she was the woman's champion at the time. Or, or Charlotte was. Charlotte was there as well. Like, like literally everybody was like at ringside stretching, talking about whatever they talk about and watching us wrestle. And it was quiet, you know, and, and I, I did a very good job. And after the tryout, Alexa Bliss had called me over and she brought me to one of the agents. She was like, OK, let's use him for the, the coffee spot. And I was like, all right, cool. And then when they told me what they wanted to do with the coffee, I was like, oh, I can easily act this out. Like, this is just me. I'll just pretend it's a role on a film, you know? And like, I went out there with the coffee and then when they came, they, they smacked the cup at me. I kind of like, you know, so they're like, oh shit, you know? And then it, I don't know if, I mean, they, they, were, they must've liked it a lot because then they came and grabbed me. It was like, okay, we want to use you for Goldberg now. And there were some guys that, that were just there that didn't get used at all. And I'm like, I, I was like, hey, I just did the coffee. You know, it's the same phase. Like, we don't care. We want to use it again. And they put me in the front of Goldberg security. And so nice. I did the Goldberg security. And that was like an awesome moment, just being able to like, oh, shit, this is Goldberg. You know, like, he's the guy I grew up watching coming out and, bah, yeah. bah, you know, like destroying everybody. So that was dope. And then the next time I had came back, you know, um, I got to, to, to do the whole Kevin Owens spot. You know, and, and, and that was pretty cool. And just like, just when you get there, you know, you just want to be professional. You want to make sure that you're presentable, that you have your stuff, you're ready to go. You know, you, you want to be noticed and you, and you, and you want people to see you for the right reasons. I feel like, you know, I'm not going to mention nobody, but I've been a few times and, and like some of these guys, I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, do you not understand where you're at? That literally everybody's watching you, even though you don't think they're watching you. Mm -hmm. you're saying these things and acting these way like you're showing them you don't belong here you know and so i had fun with it man I, and i had a really good conversation with randy orton um who's one one of my favorites ever um and he obviously has the marine corps background and stuff like that and i had i had just got out of the marine corps and i talked to randy orton for like seven minutes and, and he doesn't have to give me seven minutes you know and i'm not trying yeah. to say oh his status he's this and that he's a superstar he doesn't need to talk no it's not about them it's the fact that he had a match that night. It was a big match he was getting ready for. And he took seven minutes out of his time and said, it was just me and him one-on-one. -on -one, and we just talked about the Marine Corps. And I told him, okay, look, you know, I was a staff sergeant. I was a drone instructor. And he gave me that respect. He's like, oh, shit. Like, you did that? I was like, yeah, I did X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. We talked about all of this. And, and he said, what's your name? And I was like, Danny. He said, okay, cool. Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And we kept talking a little bit more. The next time he saw me, which was, it was a Friday night smackdown when we met. Then we had the Monday. It was Hell in a Cell. And then Monday Night Raw. And Monday Night Raw, we walk past and say, hey, Danny, what's up? He meets, I don't know how many fucking, you know, guys that come out there all the time. Yeah. And the fact that we made that connection, like the military, this and that, the respect. I didn't, I didn't act like a fucking fanboy or nothing like that. We talked like men about real shit. He gave me his advice. He told me what he thought. And then he acknowledged me the next time he saw me. Like, hey, Danny, what's up? And we shook hands. And good, yeah, I'm good, man. You know, good luck tonight, blah, blah, blah. That's it. And that to me, I love it. Man, that felt like good, you know, like. And, 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 and I feel like when, when people go to these, to these events and stuff like that, and, and they have these opportunities with WWE or when I did the work with impact or, you know, whatever you have to show that you belong there. Mm. And so many people, so many people don't understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe it's they you know, you, you had the discipline, so maybe they didn't, they didn't never learn discipline anywhere. So <laughs> maybe, yeah. I mean, but don't get me wrong. Like I know how to have fun. I know how to be wild, yeah, and of crazy, course. you know, but like there's a time and place I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe not when you're or you're in a ring surrounded by some of the biggest stars in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Not, I mean, it's not maybe. the best time. Uh, so 
when you're working different uh, venues, you know, you're, you're going from like these big venues in Mexico. You're doing like, uh, I've seen like the Fist Pro uh, where you're doing like a bar basically. Mm. Uh, you know, how do you adjust, you know, your psychology, your crowd work? Like how do you adjust to the level of crowd or how drunk maybe the crowd is around you? <laughs> Honestly, I don't care if I'm wrestling in front of 10 people or 5,000 people. They're going to get 100% of Danny Limelight every time. And some people are like, man, why are you doing that dive here? There's only like 20 people here. Nobody, you know, like, you're going to hurt yourself for 20 people? Like, no, first of all, I don't want to hurt myself. But these 20 people paid their, their ticket, paid their money to come see the show. They know Danny Limelight's on the card. Why am I going to treat it any less and give less of a performance? Because you feel like there's not enough people here to, for you to entertain. There could be one person in the show, it could be one little kid, and I'm going to do my DDT. I'm going to fly over the top rope because that one kid paid a ticket, and he should be able to see how awesome I can be, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't care if I'm wrestling in a big venue or a smaller venue. I'm going to give my all every time. Now, obviously, certain things don't make sense in certain shows. You know, like I'm not going to run off a beam and do a backflip onto somebody, you know, in an in a, in, in a impact ring as if I would if I was wrestling at a bar, you know? Like, yeah. There are certain things that I change, you know, um, I still try to not curse. Sometimes it slips out, but I try to not curse. But in the bar, you know, the fans are cursing at you and they want you to talk shit back. So I'll give a little more aggression on the talking shit back to the fans. But if I was in an arena full of kids, mostly, then I'm not going to curse, you know, or mm-hmm. when I'm doing the Spider-Man, when I was doing the Spider-Man gimmick where each of my tights were different suits from different, some of my favorite Spider-Man um, comic books. You know, if I'm wrestling at a bar, I'm wearing the symbiote, the black spider. So they know, okay, he's coming out with the black. He's going to be more aggressive. He's going to talk shit because he's, he's symbiote now, you know, like, or, but if I put on the Spider-Man 99 or the Future Foundation or the, you know, the, the amazing Spider-Man, okay, you know, he's coming out, he's the good guy here, you know, and, and that's just the kind of stuff that I used to try to tailor it to. And uh, as far as psychology in the ring goes, when you first started out, was that something you even had a thought about before you started training? Or did like, when you joined, were you like, oh, wait, like I'm telling a story here. This is a completely different thing than I thought. <laughs> that was one of the, I still have, uh, that was one of the hardest things I had to figure out and understand. And I think that, that everybody goes through that. You, you want to go out there, and sh- excuse me, you want to go out there and show your stuff, you know, or they say blow your wad or whatever little catchy catchphrase they have. You want to go out there and do it. But understanding what makes sense, where to do what, where to put what, you know, how to tell the story. I think that was the hardest thing for me to grasp. And I'm still learning. Everybody, I believe everybody should be an eternal student, a student of the game. You're forever learning. You should never cut it off. Um, But I feel like I've gotten a lot better at that. And and for me, it took a lot of matches, like big matches with guys like TJ Perkins, you know, matches with guys like Phoenix, matches with guys like Cholo or Mariachi Loco or, you know, these, you know, even Chris Bay has helped me a lot, like understanding where to put things at. Um, Chris Bay, shout out to Chris Bay, man. That's my homie. Chris Bay's awesome a good dude. dude. Yeah, I love Chris that, man, dude. dude. He's great, you know, and even, and then he's sitting down and talking to guys like Sandow and Morrison, like, what do you think of this? Does this make sense? And then Morrison was like, you could do that in a match with me because we will make it flow right. You know, that would make sense, blah, 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 because of our backgrounds. But in a match with this person, it won't make sense. And even after New Japan, Sandow, or excuse me, um, he's not going by Sandow anymore, obviously. But Aaron, he was like, he was like, he was in the back watching. He was like, he's like, you know, I really like your stuff, da, 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 Like, why did you do this and this? And I was like, yeah, I did this and this because of X, Y, Z. Um, he said, okay, you know, this probably will work here, but it won't work there, you know, in this kind of, of, of an atmosphere. But you're in New Japan, so that makes sense to do that kind of a thing here, you know. And it's just 
just it's being an eternal student and asking people, hey, do you see my match? You know, another person that, in my opinion, one of the most underrated wrestlers in SoCal, who, you know, awesome dude, great guy. If he's in the locker room, I always ask him to watch my match and tell me what he thinks is Ryan Taylor. Um, and he was at the New Japan Collision with me as well. And I always ask, what do you think of this? Oh, you know, I think, you know, and he gives me his honest feedback. And I love his critique. And it's always heartfelt and true and genuine. And though we need more people like Ryan Taylor. We need more people like TJP who after you wrestle him, he stops you. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And he spits out all this knowledge. You're like, holy shit, you know? And, and, then, he, and then he still talks good about you, you know? But you did this, you did this, you know? Like, those are the people we want that's going to, like, make you feel, okay, I'm learning. I'm learning when I'm in the ring with them. You want to learn when you're in the ring with them so that way when their time has come and gone and now you're in their place and you're wrestling the new guys, you can bring that knowledge to them. You can help them. You can do these kind of things, you know? And I just started getting that feeling, you know, uh, shout out to Ice Williams. You know, I've had, I had a fire match with Ice Williams, and he's a great athlete. He's great. But he went in there, hey, what do you want to do? You know, what do you think about this? Like, asking me these questions, expecting me to have the answers. Oh, hey, let's do this, this, and this. Oh, let's put this here. Let's, you know, and because I was able to learn from other people, I was able to give some kind of guidance. And he come with his ideas, and we put it together, and we put on a good match. And that's what it's about, man, passing the knowledge, knowledge on to the future. Yeah, so that is a good match. Uh, everyone who's watching or listening to this, look that up on YouTube. It's, it's awesome. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So as far as uh, you mentioned – you know, everyone kind of collaborating, talking about giving critiques, you know, what is it about the business though? Cause I, you know, I've, I've, I've been around it a lot. I, I helped uh, do websites, photography, video, a lot for a lot of indie promotions up in, up here in Northern California. And, but what is it about the business that gets some people that just feel the need to bury other people though? Like they um. feel the need to like, they're afraid, like no one's going to come up on their mountain. Or if they do, they're going to steal their spot. Like, why is that? What do you think? What do you think that is the reason for that is? I would say insecurities. Um, maybe they feel like this guy is going to take their spot. This guy is going to be the next guy, or whatever the case may be. I, I think I think it's insecurities. I think it's it speaks more. It speaks more on who they are. Um, you will never find me. You could look through my social media. You could you could scroll to early early Daniel. I never will never shoot talk shit on somebody and talk down on anybody. I've never been that way as a man. I've never been a hater. I've always been a real dude. And I always speak my mind how it is, but I would not belittle somebody. I would just look at them. If I feel like, hmm, I kick no, okay. Oh, he got signed. Why did he get signed? What did he do to get signed? And why am I not signed? Okay, he did this and this. Okay, that means I need to do X, Y, Z. I need to work harder to get there. Okay, I'm climbing the ladder. This person doesn't want me, doesn't want to put you over, doesn't want to, you know, give you the rub, whatever, that's okay. The next person will, you know, like I I've never been that way. And that, and that, and that's because I'm not a hater. I'm, I'm not insecure about anything. Everything I do in life, I'm confident as fuck. And that's why it rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but I don't care. I'm not going to change who I am. And I feel like the people that are like that are, are the, are the wrong type of people. They're there now, but you know, the same people you see on your way up are the same people you're going to see like on your way down. And that's something I always remember. Yeah, I mean, and not to not to hate on anyone, but you know, the fact is, ninety percent of these dudes in wrestling are going to end up in a convention center with a fanny pack on, hawking eight by tens. Like it's going to happen. <laughs> like it's going to happen. So, uh, speaking a little bit more on uh, what we were talking about earlier with uh, Ray Phoenix, Pentagon. I mean, you've always been you may always made it no secret that you'd love to go WWE, have trust WWE. 
But what do you think about the current product with like stuff like AEW, WWE, you know, Impact, MLW? There's a whole lot of stuff now going on. And where do you see yourself fitting in pretty easily? Hmm. I had a wonderful time in New Japan, man. I, I had a really good time. The guys there were awesome. You know, I like Rocky a lot. I trust Rocky. And I don't trust a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the chemistry. I feel like that's somewhere where I can start. That's somewhere I can really, really showcase what I can do and, and, and get that buzz going for me that I need to get to where the next step would be for me. Um, I know a lot of people at AEW. A lot of my friends are there. I think that would be cool. I think it would be, you know, and, and even, even, you know, I mean, I don't really, I haven't, I haven't really watched a lot of MLW, you know, um, I don't see myself signing with MLW, nothing against them. I just don't, I don't really think that I love NWA. I think it's awesome. I just don't see myself fitting into that world either. Um, I think I'm very, very specific style. Yeah. And NWA. And I don't think that that would be the best suit for me, but if an opportunity came across my desk, I would definitely take it serious. You know, um, I would not, I wouldn't never pass on WWE, obviously. Um, and even impact, I feel like impact, like their X division would be a good place for me to also generate that, that kind of fire, that buzz that I need. That's why my boy, Chris Bay went over there. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to get in the ring with Chris Bay again. I would love to get in the ring with Ace Austin again. You know, like some of those guys are awesome. And I feel like I would be a good fit there as well. But right now, I, like if I had to pick a place to be, I, 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 I really liked the way it felt being in a new Japan ring. And it's something I never thought I would want to do. You know, like yeah. I, I never knew it existed. And it's something that I never thought I would have an opportunity to do. And now that I did, I want to take full advantage of that. Yeah, and uh, of course, the opportunity, should it come to actually go and wrestle in Japan, would be a completely different. Absolutely. Speaking of that, actually, uh, on wrestling in other countries, have you gone and wrestled in Puerto Rico? I've never even been to Puerto Rico. Really? I bought my my ticket to go in 2017, and then the hurricane hit, and I was like, I want to go when I'm able Mm. to enjoy it. I've never wrestled in any other country other than the United States or Mexico. Okay. So... Well, I'm, uh, I'm all for going to Puerto Rico. I'm all for going to the UK, Canada. I want to go everywhere. You know, Japan is just waiting for the opportunities to come. Well, a uh, buddy of mine, uh, he wrestled uh, in actually, he wrestled in Puerto Rico and he wrestled in Japan. Uh, rest in peace. His name is Bison Smith. Uh, awesome wrestler. Great dude. Uh, taken from us too early, but he he always told me that he loved wrestling in Puerto Rico and he loved wrestling in Japan. So I hope you get that opportunity because that would be pretty dope. Hopefully, uh, I just did a, I just did an interview with a Puerto Rican podcast crew, and I was telling them like I want to get out there to like let their people know. I would I just want to go see my culture first and foremost. I'm out here in the city in the states representing Puerto Rico and New York. I'm a New York Rican, yeah. You know, just like Santana and Ortiz, you know that's who I am. That's my that's yep. that's what, that's that's where I'm from, but. Well, if they want to break away from the inner circle, you know, we could, I don't mind uh, 2020 Los Bariquas except in AEW, you know? Hey. You know, there you hey, go. It's all, it's all God's plan, you know? Whatever will come, will come. What's for you can't be taken for you, bro. Exactly. All right, brother. Uh, the time has come. We've gone too long. The booker is running out and he's pissed and he's screaming to take it home. The ref is, is yelling. So we've got on. some uh, rapid fire stuff here at the ends and we'll close it off. Number one, favorite move or hold that you don't use? Favorite move or hold that I don't use? The figure four leg lock. Figure four leg lock. Okay. What's the craziest fan interaction you have besides the guy who you, who you got into it with? Um, <laughs> the craziest fan interaction I ever had was um, a fan sliding into my DMs after a show. I don't even know how she found my stuff, but she like messaged me and was trying to hook up and stuff like that. Mm. Didn't happen, <laughs> though. Didn't happen. Okay. Um, 
when you're working with someone for the first time, besides trying to hurt you, what's the worst thing they could do in a match? Just be disrespectful. Um, not listen, not, not want to work, you know? All right. Uh, when's the last time you were legitimately surprised by a worker in the ring? Ooh, the last time I was legitimately surprised by a worker in the ring was when I wrestled Ice Williams. Um, I, a lot of people was talking about how good he is for how young he's been in the ring and how new he was. And he actually came out and sh- like, I was like, Oh, like we were, we were going, if you saw the match, like it was a very fast paced, really, really good match. And, and, and he, he impressed me. He wowed me. Very nice. Uh, has a booker ever tried to stiff you on money? Oh, all the time, all the time. When I first started, it was the worst. Now I don't accept that shit. Well, well, how do they, how do they try to skirt around it? What are they, what are the, oh, hey, the, the door was light or hey, I'll PayPal you in a couple of weeks or, mm. uh, we can only pay you this much. One time I went to Arizona, um, to wrestle in Arizona. I was supposed to get paid X amount of dollars. I got into a car accident on the way to Arizona, wrecked my Camaro, still went to the show, wrestled and he tried to short me $40, lost his fucking mind. I took all the money that, that fucking he, he was supposed to pay me and yeah. some to pay for costs for the car. Uh, just love the kind of people wrestling drags in <laughs> the worst. Uh, what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? <laughs> Pretty hard. Uh, uh, well, actually I watched one match and I just laughed I la- and I, and I wasn't laughing to be a dick. It was just, yeah, I don't want <laughs> It was bad. It was just bad. And, yeah. And, 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 is because before that, they, they, these, these guys were talking about, oh, this, da, da, oh, this right here will stop for a minute. We'll get the good chance. Da, 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 da. Like they had like the chance planned out. They had everything mm. planned out. And it was just, mm. yeah, it was bad. I've had that experience where I used to do a uh, open mic stand up comedy. Yeah. And it was always the dudes, because, you know, the comics usually get there before the place opens up. And it was always the dudes who were like super overconfident. That bomb the worst. You're like, yeah. you just said, you're like, dude. Another good laugh I had was I was at a show with Tito, Che, and Ray Rosas, and we were just clowning in the back. Everybody was getting clowned on, and it was just so much fun. That was another good laugh. Uh, out of all your travels, you know, going to different parts of the country, what's the worst gimmick you've seen? Oh, shit. Um, there was, I, I did an Evolve tryout um, in New York, and there was this guy who was playing a zombie. But like, oh, not, not like a zombie, but like a monster where like he, he came into the ring and then he had to like be activated as a monster. It was almost like Festus from back in the day, but as mm-hmm. a monster. And, it, and then he was trying to do like Hurricane Ranas and like all these stuff. And he was like six foot seven. And it, just, it was bad. Really, really <laughs> bad. Um, now, not naming any names, but any former WWE, WCW, ECW, whatever guys that you've worked on a show with that thought they were way better than the show? No, I fortunately have never had that issue. Um, and I've been on, I've been on a show with a lot of those guys and they were all been super, super cool, man. Very nice. Uh, so this is kind of the touchy feely question of this, your pure joy in wrestling, the thing that whether it's before the match, during the match, after the match, the thing that gives you goosebumps, the thing that you're like, this is why I fucking love this business. This is why I do this. First and foremost, it's when my music hits and I, and, and I just, I just feel the electricity come up my body and it's like, okay, here I go, here I go. And I get myself in that mentality. And then I go out there and I wrestle. And then, you know, when the fans start reacting, they start clamping, you know, we have that fire match and we get the, this is awesome chance or whatever kind of chance they want to chant. And then after the match, you know, or during intermission, if I'm before intermission, when they come up to me, oh, that was a really good match, man, blah, 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 blah. And they start 
compl- complimenting me or following me on social media or, or when they message me, hey, I really, I just watched this match on YouTube. It's just a fan interaction. You know, the first thing that sets it off for me that puts me in the mindset is when my music hits, but it's the fan interaction afterwards. I never have ever, I ever forgot where I started, where I came from. I, I, I never, ever, ever sunned a fan, made a fan feel less than what they're worth unless they were, they were disrespectful. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's that fan interaction that makes me feel great, man. I imagine it must be like a huge feeling of like validation. You're like, I worked hard. I put together this thing and like, or even, even when like the fans, like even when the fans follow you and they see you you doing other things in life and they're like, Oh wow. I had no idea you did stunts or you acted this. Oh, I just watched your film or they come see me at the show. Like, Hey, I watched that one film you posted. It was awesome, man. I really enjoyed it. You should do another one. Like that kind of stuff. Because the fans care about the wrestlers. They really do. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like they really, really love us. We entertain them and they love that feeling they get from watching us. And I feel like, why would I treat them less than, than, than human being? Because they're a fan without yeah. them. I'm not, I'm shit without them. So I feel like the, uh, the days of, you know, these fucking marks, I feel like that day is kind of gone. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's kind I, of I, a remnant. I've, of, never, I've never even said that about a fan. Oh, that's fucking Mark. Yeah. I was one of the first people to ever get inside of the hot tub. I was part of the first hot tub show that they actually got in the hot tub <clears throat> with the hot tub guy. It was me, Eli. DJ and Biagio and everybody was like, why the fuck are you in the hot tub with that Mark? Blah, blah, blah. He's a fan and he's a fucking cool person. He loves wrestling and he wanted us to be a part of his show. So why would I not do it? You know, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I never understood that shit. And uh, to cap it all off, any other pranks or embarrassing stories you can remember? Pranks or embarrassing stories. Pranks or embarrassing stories. I was driving back from Arizona. I was driving back from Arizona with with Big Duke, who he doesn't really wrestle anymore, and, and Seville, Gino Rivera, we were tag teaming. And we were like, we were talking to Duke, don't worry, bro, we're going to stay up. We'll talk to you, blah, blah. It's a long ride back, you know, blah, 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 blah. We got you. And like 10 minutes into the drive, we were like knocked out in the car, like mouth wide open, like out. And like Duke took a picture of me and Gino and was like, look at it, and put it on Facebook. And we were like passed out, knocked out. Like he's like, wow, great road buddies and stuff like that. So that was, <laughs> that was pretty embarrassing. Crazy story. One time I was driving home from a show late as hell and I fell asleep on the road. And like, I woke up in the middle of like an intersection with the lights red and stuff like that. Luckily there was no cars, but I was like, I woke up and I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't even know where I was. And it was like, it was in the middle of an intersection. I was like, Oh shit. And I just had to like turn the car and drive out. That was oh, wow. crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, it's about the time to end it now. Please give all your social, all the stuff we can follow you at. Uh, we, or we can check out, you know, your film stuff as well as your wrestling stuff. Hey, guys. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you for having me, having me on this show. You can catch me on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at Danny Limelight. And you can find me on ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Danny Limelight. And for all my films and stuff like that, I post them on YouTube. You can just look up Danny Limelight and stuff will pop up or Instagram as well. Um, I'm not hard. For, I'm not hard to find. And if you want to email me for podcasts or questions or whatever, I'm easy to reach at Danny Limelight at gmail.com or slide in those DMs. But prep, but not the way that one girl did. <laughs> no, not, yeah, definitely not not that way. <laughs> Thanks again. I appreciate it. And thank you for coming on. Thank you, bro.